epic guitar solos from our buds over at the Neon Droid. Uh, love those guys. Huge sound. I'm loving the music that we have on the new episodes of In Love With The Process. You are listening to the newest. Hello. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Mike Petchy. What is happening? What is new? I'm excited to come on and just hang out with you all today. Um, it's been a while. It's been a while since we've done like a full length hangout, catch you guys up. This is what's going on. This is what's happening episode. Um, and uh, I've done a bunch of like little teaser ones lately, uh, little ad episodes and everything else. I hope you guys have been enjoying the music showcases that we've done um, and uh, the recent programming. Uh, as I said on Thursday's uh, mini episode, uh, the listenership has been ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculously high, which I love the fact that we're finally, finally, you know, I think we're pushing five years at this point. We're getting there, right? Five years. This is how long it takes. This is how long it takes from the, from the ground up. Like I got into podcasting without connections, right? I didn't have another show that was promoting me. I didn't buy you followers. Um, and uh, we just sort of did this from scratch. And uh, this is how long it fucking takes. Five years in. Five years in, we're starting to get the numbers that we need for the show. Five years in, we're starting to get the guests on the show that we really love, that you guys have been appreciating. Um, it just takes time. It really does. And if you talk, if you go back in time, like we get in the DeLorean, right? Drive back in time and we talk to Mike that was uh, setting up microphones in the attic of his old place in Boston. I would have been like, fuck you, five years. I'll get there in like a year. Patience, right? Patience is the virtue that none of us have. It's the virtue that we need to teach ourselves to have. And then just when you think it, it's going good, it slows down. Um, but before we get into all that stuff, I just want to say, hey, what's up? How are you? What's new? How are you guys doing? Now that we are, are we officially out of COVID? I think most people just don't give a shit. I think the world's gone through the process of being vaccinated and boosted and uh, and getting sick, you know, and the numbers seem okay, right? Um, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I just got sick again. Now, I've, I went through the process of being vaccinated and boosted, right? And when I first got vaccinated, um, <laughs> well, the story goes like this. When we first got covid uh, we had just moved into town. As you know, we moved to Los Angeles about five months, four months before COVID, around that period of time. Um, and I was doing a gig. I was doing a gig with our boys from Puget Systems. All the guys were out here. Uh, and uh, I shot uh, some photos for their advertising campaign at the time. And uh, we did a day of shooting. And then we did what we do, which is let's go on a bar safari. Let's go have some fun. Let's go have some food. And we went on an epic night <laughs> here in uh, Los Angeles and went out and about. And this was when everybody's like, is COVID a thing? What is this thing? Right? We didn't know. And so we went out and we drank and we ate and we did our thing and, and got ridiculously hungover. 
to the point where the next day everything locked down, right? And then people were like, you're getting sick. We thought we got it because we were so hungover. We were ridiculously hungover because of it. And uh, we were like, well, I guess we got COVID. I went through that whole process. And then um, uh, got boosted. Now got vaccinated, right? Fast forward, we got vaccinated. And uh, then got boosted. And then got COVID, right? So we got COVID. I got COVID and I went through COVID. Um, which wasn't terrible. It's weird though. Those of you who've had it, I think most of us have, you know that your body acts a little strange and it's something that you really haven't felt before. Um, and then I was like, okay, great. Double down. I was boosted. I now had it. So good to go. Um, but I don't know what happened last week. I got sick again and uh, I was like, fuck, what is this? Is this like the new strain? What the fuck is this deal? And it hit me pretty hard, actually. Um, and I tested, and it wasn't COVID, all negative on COVID. So there's something else kicking around uh, that really knocked me on my fucking ass hard. Like, uh, ended up, start. what did it start as? It started as like a, a tickle in the nose. I was sneezing a lot. Then it was a sore throat move. And I'm like, okay, here we go again, COVID, right? Then um, I went and... Uh, tested everything and I was good. Uh, and I started to feel better and I'm like, okay, I'm in good shape. Tested negative on COVID, went and did a shoot. And, um, then after a day of shooting, I really felt like shit came back. I don't know if it was cause I was wearing the mask all day, came back and, uh, that night had like multiple asthma attacks and then <laughs> was shitty all week. So, um, yeah, it sucked. It sucked. And uh, to be completely transparent with you guys, and I'm trying to decide how much I share and how much I don't share on the show. I, I, I tend to share too much. Um, but to be completely transparent with you, uh, the week before that, um, I had a shitty week, like a really shitty week. Uh, I had some setbacks happen, had some stuff change as far as plans are concerned. Um, and, uh, had to pivot and it really fucking hit me. Like it was like, God damn it. You know, and this business does that. We talk about it on the show all the time, like the movie business. <laughs> I don't know why you guys want to get into it, uh, because it's vicious. I mean, I do know why you want to get into it. Let's be real. But, um, yeah, man, like it just sort of came out of nowhere and, and, uh, swiveled me around a bit, knocked the plans around, knocked all sorts of stuff around. And, um, you know, I got, I got a little, I got a little depressed. I was depressed for at least a week. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I was talking to the therapist about it and sort of processing loss, you know, processing all that kind of stuff. And, um, but fuck man, it sucked. And then just when I was pulling out, just when I was like, Hey, all right, man, it's good. One foot in front of the other, let's keep going forward March. And then got sick. And so then I was, Knocked up my ass for a week with whatever the fuck that was. So it's been uh, it's been fascinating. It's been a fascinating two weeks, or well, maybe three weeks. It's probably been in this three. Yeah, it's probably three weeks, man. Time travel, Michael. Um, yeah, it sucked. It sucked. And uh, I guess I'm sharing this with you guys just so because I, I, you know, this show's all about taking off the Instagram filter, right? And uh, you know, being honest about how stuff plays. 
And uh, yeah, it sucked. You know, and I came back to, this is what I've been talking to my therapist about. And this, you guys might find this interesting. Um, I, I apparently have an issue with time. I have an issue with time. And so I think if the biggest, the biggest anxiety that I'm facing is time. It's always been time. And as I process this, you know, you're like, okay, is it because you're in your forties? Is it fear of death? Well, there is a, a level of that in there, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, I went back even further and I was like, okay, well, when did I start this timing thing? And it really goes back to when I was a kid, it goes back to when I was working in construction and when I was working, uh, house painting or even further back when I was just, you know, a t- like a young teens, uh, mechanics assistant, I always would judge myself on how long it took me to do stuff. Do you guys do this? how long it took me to get something done. So I would go through the process of setting rules for myself. And it could be as simple as like, hey, all right, cool. I'm going to clean up all the tools in the shop. We just finished whatever that was. I'm going to clean up all the tools. I'm going to make sure they all go back in the right place. I'm going to get this floor done. And I'm going to give myself this time limit. I'm going to finish it early. And that was always my move. Like, I'll do this quick. And then if I completed it on time, then I accomplished something. If I completed it early, then I'm the fucking man, right? And that was how... I felt about it. And that was what I did. That's what I've done for my entire career as a worker, right? That's how I, that's how I give myself praise. That's how I give myself, uh, you know, praise. I guess that's the only way to say it. Yeah. You know? And so I was like, okay, I used to do that when I was a kid. And then I was examining like when I would do tasks on crews and construction crews and we're all judged upon that, right? Like you ever notice this? Like if you're ever working for anything freelance, like if you're house painting, right? If you're uh, landscaping, if you're doing anything that comes down to time and money, right? Time is money. That is what my bosses would tell me. That is what uh, my clients tell me. Everybody tells me that time is money. And so I've been trained and I've trained myself this. I've, I've created these rhythms for myself that I got to get stuff done fast. I got to get stuff done well, and I got to get it done fast. And so I've created an internal system for myself mentally where I can get shit done. I know how to turn off everything else and put my head down and push my way through something and get it done quick and fast. That's why I'm a great editor for people, right? If you get me to edit for you, your shit's going to be done quick and fast. And I've trained myself on how to come up with creative ideas quickly and fast from the years of being in a production company or running a production company. Because you know the clients will call you up and say, hey, we need an idea right now. We need this right now. So we come up with stuff quick and fast. And this is something that I really appreciate about Will, my writing partner. He's fucking fast. He's really fast. And so the two of us can solve problems in a script in a phone conversation. Like we can get notes from a studio. And immediately just get on the phone and go, here's what we need to do, bam, 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 and talk it out. We have a system in which we can go back and forth and come up with creative solutions and get it done fast. And he's a fast writer, so he can turn that stuff around really quick. I've always liked that. And if you go back and you look at how we produced, how I produced, um, who's there, right? Will and I came up with the idea. Uh, He wrote a quick script for it. And then, bam. Within a month, I had the location scouted, had a cast, had the crew, put everything together, had it shot within a month, 
And then the next month had it fucking edited. So from conception to finish, the Who's There concept film took three months. That's fucking fast. That's really fast. And so speed has always been the thing that I admire. And I would listen to interviews from other directors like Michael Bay. Michael Bay is a classic example of this. Michael Bay prides himself on getting things done under schedule, getting things done quickly. He's notoriously known for being an intense, one would almost say dictator on sets, making sure that the union, uh, the sort of union way doesn't slow his shit down, right? He's known for that. And that's what he does. He brings things under budget. He brings things in on time. So I've always admired that. Same thing with Ridley Scott. I've heard about him in real life. I've, I've read interviews. I've seen interviews with him where he's very quick on his feet, multiple camera setups, getting things done efficiently with quality and in time. So this has always been the engine for me. The engine for me as an individual, even when it comes to barbecues and planning barbecues, it's all timing, right? And so I realized as I go through this process of therapy that I've got a few triggers, right? So I've got a trigger where if I feel like I'm working with folks that don't respect time the way I respect time, that's a trigger for me. There are times where I'll get mad or I'll get angry because I feel like someone else isn't respecting the time the same way. And I had to get over that. I had to get over that pretty quickly because at that point, I'm putting what the stress and the anxieties that I put on myself on those people. Like you should be working as efficiently as I'm working, right? How many of you listening do the same thing? There's a lot of you that do, I know. So that was something that was interesting. Then the other trigger for me is the lack of respect when it comes to time. That is a big one. That's a big one for me. And it really sort of comes to play when my world and my training of like time and resource and energy comes into conflict with the way Hollywood works, with the way this business works. I'm going to say this, with the way California fucking works, right? And I've, I've hinted at this on other episodes, but this is a big deal. I can get shit done really fucking quick, and I can get good stuff done really quick right? It blows people's minds when we go through this. And, and it's not, I'm, I wasn't born with this skill. I taught myself this skill. I could teach you this skill on how to get stuff done quick, right? You then come into the very slow, very passive engine that is movie pitching, that is getting scripts read, that is attaching talent, that is getting folks on a phone call. So that, for the past three years, has been a big thing for me. And as I approached it initially, I was like, well, this is kind of how Hollywood works. And then you start to trust folks. And you start to trust that like, well, okay, I'll pump the brakes a little bit and I'll bring it back slightly and, and let the system do what its system does. I mean, these people are saying that the system works this way, you know, and then... You, you you find that 
if it goes too slow, which it wants to do, this giant lethargic beast that is Hollywood wants to go too slow. They don't want to make rash decisions. They want to test everything. They want to make sure that the algorithms are correct and the ideas are correct. Next thing you know, you're trying to poke this fat fucking bear to get him to move a little bit quicker. And then the bear gets angry. Hey, chill the fuck out. Mellow out. You're thinking, here's a quote. You're thinking like a filmmaker and you need to think like a producer. There's a quote. So then that starts to kick in and that knocks you off your pedestal. Knocks me off my pedestal a little bit where I'm like, well, fuck. These guys are telling me that. They know what the fuck they're doing. Right? So I, I should dial this back. I should dial it. All right, Mike, chill out. Dial it back. Relax. You know, COVID's here. Everybody's relaxing. So try to relax a little bit. But what happens is you don't pull that bear. You don't get that engine rolling. That engine stalls. It totally does. And it'll stall without your control. It'll stall from shit that is completely beyond your control. That's another trigger for me. It's lack of control, right? I'm a director. That's my thing. I like to create these worlds. I like to create these spaces. I like to sort of control the environment in which we can create. I don't could I don't multi I don't uh, overly manage it, right? It isn't micromanaging. I've learned how not to do that early on in my career. But it's like building this space in which we can create, in which we can do our stuff. Do you ever get frustrated where all you want to do is your fucking job? That's all you want to do. I feel like as filmmakers, we're begging, begging people to just let us do our job. Can I please, please, please just do what it is that I was put on here, put on earth to fucking do, to do that skill that you know is good because you've seen it and you like it. So just let me do it. It's tough, right? It's really tough. So I've been going through a lot of this lately because it's frustrating. And you get to this point where you're like, fuck, one moment everything's a honky-dory, everything's moving. The next moment, because you're introduced to a new group, that new group is like, well, maybe we should just chill for a little bit. You're like, why would we chill for a little bit? And then the next thing you know, you're looking at your watch and you're going, it's been two years. This is a big thing. I know I'm not the only one that goes through that in this business. Then it starts to make sense when you see all these other directors that are working on eight, ten different ideas. How many of you movie fans are reading online, so-and-so is developing such-and-such, and you're like, wow, how come that never came out? It's because it's one of many baskets that are running at the same time. I'll be honest with you guys. I invested too much in two baskets. I need to get more baskets up and running right now just so I stay sane. Those two baskets are eventually going to happen, but I need to stay sane. Between COVID and the move here to California, I haven't been on a set directing creatively. I mean, I've done music videos and I've done commercials and stuff, but narratively, I haven't been on a set since the end of 2018 as a director. Think about that. Think about that, you as in the audience listening to this, you know? And I mean, in the position in which I can physically just do my job as a director. And sure, I was wearing multiple hats on those, on those smaller pieces. I was wearing a producer's hat. 
Sometimes I'd wear a DP hat. Sometimes I'd wear a locations guy hat. Sometimes I'd wear all those different things. I would like to just get to a point where maybe I only have to wear like three hats just, just to see if my directing would get better, you know? Like if I could spend more time with the talent, I could spend more time with actors, I could spend more time with these folk. And that's the fight. That's the fight. And if it takes too long with COVID and everything else, then the heat comes off, right? This is a term called heat. It's the heat on. Do people Are people into what it is that you do? And are people talking about what it is that you do? So you have to create more heat. You have to create more stuff. You have to make new things. It's an interesting place right now. So I suddenly found myself in this place due to circumstances beyond my control, completely beyond my control, and in multiple circumstances that stack themselves up. Three weeks ago, I found myself slowed down, very much slowed down with what, what is, I thought was my plan for the year. And that sucked. <laughs> that really fucking sucked. And you sort of hit this point where you go, God damn it. It's like going to, it's like going to Vegas and putting your money on two colors, right? Or two numbers on the table. I don't, I don't really gang that much. But it's two, two, two numbers on the table, right? And you're waiting on those numbers. And you're waiting on those numbers. And you're waiting on those numbers. And then the house wins. And then you sit there and you go, well, fuck. I got to get some more money. Because <laughs> I need to put more shit down on the table. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm being honest with you guys. I'm being transparent with you. And I've talked to a lot of folks since because... You go through this process, and if you if you surround yourself with really creative people and very supportive creative people, and big shout-outs to my friends that have been here and supporting me as I go through these two weeks of trying to replan and refigure and restructure what the rest of this year looks like. I'm talking to the Rasmussen brothers. Big shout-out to you guys for your advice. Talking to my friends like Rick Darge, and I had a really great barbecue, which we'll get into had some friends over and everybody wants to see new stuff from me. Everybody wants me to create new stuff. And I'm in, I'm, 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 I know I'm going to make something new, but I'm just getting over the fact that I thought that I'd be doing something else right now because I was promised that we would be doing something else right now. And now I've been told that I need to wait a little bit longer. I need to wait again, wait longer. That's this business. That's this business. And when, when I talk on the show and when you hear guests on the show talking about longevity and just getting through it, making your way through it, these are the battles. And I think, and I've always thought that I've been through that longevity battle already. And I'm like, I've, I've been through that. I'm going through that. I'm going to make it through that. And then I get hit with it harder. And I'm like, fuck, this is a, uh, this longevity thing's a bigger deal than I thought it was. Holy shit, right? And then you try not to get calloused. You try not to get cynical. You try not to, because realistically, right? Every other lesson in life 
is you learn from experience, right? So you go through the process of being like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to put my hand near this glowing flame. Oh, that's warm. I'm going to put my hand there again and test. That's fucking hot. I have to put my hand back there again, but I know it's fucking hot, right? But I got to do it. I have to blissfully put my hand back over that flame again. Does that make sense? It's very strange. So it's been an interesting few weeks, and then the fucking sickness really didn't help it out much, but whatever. I'm here. I actually had a great morning this morning. Gene and I hung out. We had the house to ourselves. You know, fill in the blanks on what, what we've been doing all morning, but it's been a good morning. And we've connected again, and she just went out for a meeting, and I am fucking so proud of her right now, man, because she is murdering it. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen the stuff. I've actually been able, I've been blessed to like have a little bit of a creative outlet through all this stuff by editing her shit lately, um, but we'll get into that too. I just wanted to start with this. I just wanted to be truthful with you guys because there was a piece of me that was like, man, maybe I shouldn't share all this with you, right? Maybe I should, you know, pretend like everything is honky-dory and everything's going the way it's supposed to go and I'll come on here and I'll be cheerful and I'll just talk my way through the show and, and I'll lie to you, right? But then, then I'd be lying. I'd be lying. I'd be doing exactly what I said that this show doesn't fucking do. I'd be putting an Instagram filter on what it is that's happening. And I would assume that all of you watch my Instagram account at Mike Petchy Plug um, and look there and you go, wow, Mike's been killing it. He's been doing a lot of stuff. Everything's been great. Yeah, but here's what's going on behind the scenes, right? And I guess that's the point of the show. Now, is it the end of an idea? Is it the end of projects? No, not by a long shot. It's not. It's just a massive shift on a plan. And that's one of the hardest things to have in our business is a fucking plan, is to be able to rely on stuff. And this is my trigger. Now I'm triggered. There's another trigger that I'm triggering here. Being able to rely on other people to do what it is that they say or they claim or they think that they can do. And you have to trust folks. That's part of the deal. And most of the time it works out. Most of the time that's the thing. But there's always that, there's always that period of time where catastrophically someone can't do what it is that they said that they could do. I've confronted this on multiple levels. And you will too, as a filmmaker, making pieces and projects. There'll be someone on your crew that is so excited to prove to you. They will overpromise things. They will promise that they can pull together the world. They will promise that they can get stuff. All the way down to the shoot time, to the morning of the shoot. I've had crew folks that have called me that morning and said, we didn't, we couldn't do it. And I'm like, what do you mean we couldn't do it? We couldn't do it. You, but you could have given me some warning on whether or not we couldn't have done it. I just didn't want to admit to myself that I couldn't do it. It'll happen. And you have to be able to pivot. You have to be able to sit there and go, okay, backup plan, change of options, change of plan. You have to be able to do that. You have to pivot with that. When you're younger, that's easier, right? Because everything is in a whirlwind and you're pushing. As you get older, it gets tougher. And what I'm trying to do, and this is me talking to myself right now, what I'm trying to do is find that younger guy again, that one that was just pivoting, taking a hit 
in the shoulder and turning and pivoting right into something else. And like everything with age, whether you're talking hangovers, it takes a little bit longer to do it. I'm still doing it. I feel it. It's happening. I'm pivoting. I got stuff going. It's going to be fine. But I wanted to share this moment with you. I wanted to get it off my chest because if you were hanging out with me in real life and I was pretending like everything was great, you'd still look me in the eye and go, what's going on? You don't seem great. What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's take a second here. Let's play some tracks. And you know what I'm excited about is uh, new music, more new music. I love the fact that we have so many musicians that want to be on the show. I love the fact that we are kind of like a front runner for synth wave, for new retro wave music, for all that kind of stuff. We're pushing the boundaries a little bit. We're going to be pushing the boundaries with some different styles. But uh, right now, I've got music from a, from an act, from a, a musician that does, obviously, the stuff that we love on the show, uh, new retro wave stuff. It's Live New is the name of the group. Um, and let me read you uh, from the Instagram. So it's uh, L Avenue Music. So it's at Instagram.com, L Avenue Music. And the bio is Reimagining the Perfect 80s Aesthetic. It's the new album, Electric. And it's out now on Bandcamp uh, on all different formats. You can listen to it in a bunch of different places. And I dig the sound. Hold on, we'll play. What are we gonna do here? Let's do let's do number three. Let's do number two. Hold on. So this is Streets of Thunder from La Avenue. Super cool sound, right? It's got elements of Blade Runner in there. Little Tangerine Dream. Super pumped about these guys. I'll make sure I have uh, links to them in the description of the episode. We'll play some more music as we go through this episode. Uh, but I just wanted to come back and uh, change the tone a little bit and talk about uh, the good stuff that I've been doing. Uh, put together a barbecue 
which I was very excited about. It, it was giving me the needed distraction um, from whatever bullshit I was going through at that time. Um, and I uh, had a bunch of people over. Uh, <laughs> the truth of it was. So Gina's uh, assistant, our friend um, Ian, Ian Spencer, uh, he started back in Boston with Gina. He started as an intern with her for a few years, and uh, we loved him. And uh, Ian went on to get a corporate gig, like so many young folks have to do. Um, and uh, it was like, you know, it's all good, man. Go do your thing. He worked for a specific photo company and learned the ropes, learned how to run a studio, went through the whole process of that. Also learned the negative aspects of working for a startup. Um, but it was great. We loved him. And then we ended up moving here to California and we were always keeping in touch with him and uh, making sure that, you know, he knew that the door was always open because we do that with folks that we enjoy and that we like to work with. And um, so he recently was like, hey, man, I think I'm going to leave this job. And, and uh, you know, what's going on in Los Angeles? How's L.A.? You know, and uh, I should get him on the show and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. If you're listening, we'll have you on the show. But uh, long story short, um, he ended up planning out some time to come out here. He wanted to come out and do a visit. We're going to put him up for about a week. And uh, he was going to look around. Maybe he's thinking about moving out here to Los Angeles, right? Which I think he needed to do because, you know, Boston's great, but you only go so far in a city that only has so much work. Those of you listening in Boston know what I'm saying. I'm not trashing Boston. I think there's a lot of great work there. I think there's a lot of great clients there, but there's a limited amount. You know what I'm saying. And you have to, you sort of pigeonholed into what the clients specifically need. Like if you're looking to, I don't know, make commercials about carpets and shit, you're in a good spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you're, if you're pushing your art, you really have to go to a territory that has the clientele has the cash to be able to pay you to do your art. Um, and so he's like, yeah, come out, come out for a week. Well, um, Gina had been doing the push, right? Because she was in a similar situation that I was in, where you go through COVID, you go through this time period, and clients are kind of off the radar. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? There was that whole period where clients are just like, you know, just as depressed as you are. You know, and just as worried and scared about what's happening in the world as we were. So they're not really thinking about work or looking at work. But they also are on the same schedule that we are, where it's like, fuck, I'm getting stir crazy. It's time to come out. Everybody's vaccinated. Everybody's boosted. Let's get back to fucking work, right? That was a big thing. But as I've said on the show before, and once again, it was proven, uh, you need to start talking to people at least three months out before you are ever going to get that work. It's going to take three, sometimes five months before a conversation that you have, a check-in, sending someone to your reel, just, just checking in with somebody. It's three to four, five months sometimes before that leads to work. So knowing that, if you aren't doing shit right now, front load yourself. Go through the process of reaching out to a bunch of people, talking to people, sharing your work, finding out what's going on, understanding that it isn't, you might get lucky, and Gina did get lucky last week, but uh, you might get lucky with it. But it, it that's the that's the system that seems to work. So it just so happened that when Ian was coming out, 
all of the clients, all of the people that Jada had been talking to all wanted to do stuff the same fucking week, sometimes the same day. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Where all of a sudden you get the phone calls where it's like, why is Thursday the day that everybody wants to shoot? <laughs> um, so it was really great for them. He ended up coming out. Uh, she was doing a shoot. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about the big magazine, but you know that she had done the Robert Pattinson stuff for uh, GQ. That was a very important shoot for her because then it helps get her other work. Uh, she was planning to do a shoot that week for a competitor magazine, a big competitor magazine, big magazine, which she did. And Ian was able to jump on that job, which was great. And then they had this last minute call to go do a shoot in Miami, <laughs> literally like the day before, <laughs> had to get her shit together and go to Miami. Um, and uh, she went and shot this really cool piece, really great piece um, for a really awesome client. These guys have been phenomenal, really good people. Uh, and uh, I just posted it on Instagram last week and Gene has been posting about it. So it's for uh, Boohoo Man, and uh, it features Little Sykes, uh, who is a hip-hop artist. Do you guys know who Little Sykes is? I didn't know before that. Um, and uh, they went and they shot, they did what she does, which is like that mixed media, mixed format. We call it dad cam stuff. And uh, brought it back, and I was able to cut it up for her. Um, and it was a fun, it was a fun little gig. It was a really fun edit, and uh, I know her and Ian had a blast going and and like tra traipsing their way through like Miami. I don't want to say Miami jungles, but Miami backyards, you know. Um, and uh, there was a couple challenges on that piece. If you don't know what it is that I'm talking about, head on over to my account at Mike Petchy or at Gina underscore Gisela, um, and you'll see the edit for the Boohoo Man. And there was a couple challenges, right? One, she knew that she wanted to work, she had to work in uh, infrared. So that was part of the concept. That was part of the boards that they had sent. So she had to figure out the infrared technology with specific cameras. The other thing that we deal with is that clients say that they want to have this dad cam look. They want to have this, what the, what is now vintage, which blows my mind because these cameras that I literally threw out years ago are now coming back into play. Um, but the, the resolution for these cameras are like 480, some of them, 720, like they're pretty small stuff and, uh, clients are still used to having stuff upwards of 4k. So the challenge really is mixing these formats, mixing these mediums in these sizes to work. Um, and so I sent her out with the black magic camera, big shout out to black magic, the black magic, uh, 6k pro camera that we have um and uh sort of gave her a dry run on it because gina hadn't used it yet so it gave her and ian a dry run on it and shout out to ian who picks stuff up pretty fucking quick and the camera's not that difficult to use um but what i loved about it was that we were able to find a really great lut so she was able to get her hands on a uh infrared lut so she could shoot with this lut um, and I don't know if you guys have messed with LUTs. So those cinematographers, young cinematographers listening to the show, uh, have you guys messed with LUTs a lot? 
Uh, you'll find that with a lot of these LUTs, a lot of these looks that you could store in a camera, and for those of you who don't know, a LUT is essentially a color grade or color correction for footage that doesn't get baked into the raw footage. So you can preview it. And what's so great about the Blackmagic camera is that you can preview it out to the monitor, you can preview it uh, into your eyepiece, um, and for these LUTs to look good, a lot of these LUTs to look good, you have to underexpose, you have to overexpose, and you really don't know it until you see it. And so it's imperative, I think, for a lot of these LUTs to actually have them in camera so that you can be lighting them to look their best. Uh, because the old way of doing it was like, shoot everything flat, and then we'll try to make it work in post. It always looks like shit when you do that. You guys notice that? Um, so it was interesting because infrared... Uh, basically takes all of the greens and makes them red. It's essentially what it does. So it takes all the green channels, makes them red. So as um, Little Sykes is walking through uh, palm trees and jungle, it's red jungle, right? And that's all done with this infrared LUT, um, which was fun to use. It was really cool to use. And I thought that uh, Gina did a killer job considering that it was the first time that she had used that black magic. Now, of course, she's an old school legend at this point with the dad cam stuff and like different filters and filtration. And I've been getting a lot of comments on Instagram about how we pull off certain techniques. Um, without going into too much detail, we're just using a lot of old analog capture devices. We're using a lot of old analog ways of capturing footage, so that way we can get distortions on footage and freeze frames and fast forwards and all that kind of stuff. So um, all of that's intentional, so that when you watch the piece, you see the this pause screen with static running through it. That's all intentionally made. So Gina essentially shoots her footage twice. She'll go out and shoot it raw and get all the details that she needs, but then she's also going through and creating it as she captures it, which is great. You know, if uh, Steve from Horror Church is listening to the show, it's been a while since we hung out. Steve is the man with that, the old Horror Church stuff. He's got all that really great analog stuff for it. Yes, we are using a lot of those techniques. But um, so, yeah, check it out. Head on over to my Instagram at uh, Mike Petchy and check out the uh, new campaign video for Boohoo Man. And uh, the client. They were in from London, so they came out from London and went to Miami. Gina went out there and never met them, literally, like, the day before. I'll have to have her on the show and tell the story because it's fucking wild. Um, but uh, the, the clients are happy. I think she's going to do more work for them. Very proud of her for that. Um, and then what else do we do? This week, we were on Teen Vogue sets. She was doing a shoot for Teen Vogue. Um, and then uh, that other big magazine, I just banged out a cut for that, which I'm really proud of. Um, and uh, it's, it's got a lot of celebrities in it. It's pretty wild, actually. I've been staring at uh, a cast from a TV show that you all love and been editing a cast of a TV show for this piece. Um, and big shout out and plug for Jambox. We have been using music from Jambox happily using music from Jambox for these pieces. And the clients don't even argue with us because we're just like, hey, we have a subscription to this really great music licensing website. It's jambox.io. 
And they're like, well, if it's going to sound and look like the stuff that you guys do, then we trust you, which is a great client to have. Um, and man, you'll hear them. The music that's underneath the Boohoo Man thing was created from stems, from tracks that I built. We put the sound effects in. Some of the sound effects came from Jambox. Some of the sound effects is stuff that we have. Um, and then this new piece for the magazine that's coming out is even more epic with the Jambox stuff. So uh, when I tell you guys to sign up for Jambox and that it'll change your work, I'm not just slinging shit, man. I'm using it. I'm using it on these projects and these projects that you guys like. That's coming from Jambox. So if you haven't done so yet, head on over to jambox.io and just listen to their library. Just listen to their library. Go through and get inspired um, because they have great stuff. I play them on the show all the time. You guys don't realize when it's, when it's Jambox or if it's artists that aren't coming from Jambox. You guys have no idea. Um, go check them out. Uh, I'll give you a quick lowdown for those of you who haven't heard me talk about this yet. They've got uh, different subscription plans. They have the unlimited creator plan for $9.99 a month. You can get a 30-day free trial with that, by the way. And this gives you full access to all music, unlimited downloads that you can use for social media, web streaming, personal or student projects, film festivals, um, and uh, that's $9.99 a month. And they also have, which I have, the unlimited commercial one that you can use for client work. So for digital ads, wedding, corporate, nonprofit. And it has everything that comes with the creator plan and also has access to their sound effects and to the stems for the songs. And then you can use that stuff for paid advertising, corporate business, weddings, et cetera, et cetera. Now for those students that are listening to the show, and I still haven't figured it out, guys. All of the listeners that are coming from Canada, are you guys students? Because there's a bunch of you. Let me know. On, write to me on Instagram. Tell me where you're coming from. Canada, big shout out. But if you're a student and you want to use this stuff for any of your student work, for any of your web streaming, social channels, film festivals, it's only six bucks a month annually. And here's the deal. You guys sign up at any point from now. So it's from April 1st to the end of April of this year. For listeners of the show only, you get 20% off. Use the code ILWP at checkout, whenever, whatever it is that you're buying. And maybe you're doing a subscription. Maybe you're doing single song licensing. Um, it's all there. I'm telling you, it is going to change your work. I don't know how other to say this, man. And it's, it's such a hard place. I said this on the last episode. It's such a hard place to be in because I know this is an ad read. These guys support the show. These guys give us money, which is great. They're supporting our show. They love us. I love them. And it, this isn't like uh, another, you know, I think there's only a handful of shows that they do, okay? So it's not like I went out to some company looking for sponsors and they sent me Jambox. No, this is a direct connection with these guys. I love them. I really do. And the work shows that. They're making us look good with our clients. <laughs> Because I'll be honest with you, it's it's most of the time it's music. Clients listen to it and they go, man, this is fucking killer edit. And I go, yeah, it's the music. It's the music, dude. Jambox.io. There you go. There's a quick little embedded ad read into that. Um, well, let's see. Let's, uh, oh, I was supposed to play some music for that, right? Let me play some music in the background here. We'll get some more from Live and New. 
Let's do uh, number three here. What's number three? Ah, a track called Wolf in the City. This is off of their latest album, Electric. Looks like they also have it on vinyl. So if you go to their band camp, uh, they have all their merch up there. I like where we're going here. sound love that soundscape to you guys so anyway i started to talk about barbecue and that's what i started to do before i got off on a tangent there um yeah so i put together barbecue ahead uh ian was originally coming out and he asked me hey mike would you do a barbecue because he's been looking at my instagram posts and i was like sure i'll plan something and <laughs> and then he had to go to Miami. So he flew all the way out and then flew to Miami. But I had already planned the barbecue. So uh, I had over, I don't know, 10, 11 people. Um, and a shout out to all the folks that came. A lot of good friends were here. A lot of people with appetites. And uh, I was excited. I put together a schedule. I put together a plan. It took me about two days to prep this barbecue because I had some time. And maybe, yes, maybe it was because I needed to make something, I needed to produce something, and this was uh, uh, the other thing I do, the fast and easy fix for me. Um, so I put together a menu. And so uh, I'm just trying to dig it up here. We did, ooh, yes. So, okay, so here was the, here was the, the day. So I wanted to do, I knew I was gonna run my Weber smoker, so I have a kettle drum smoker, and I have the large one. So, and I was going to have like 10 to 12 people. So we, I was going to play the hits because it had been a while. This is kind of the first barbecue of this season. If you're on the East Coast, this is the spring, right? LA is weird. 
right? Because it's kind of all the same. So it's the new season. Um, and so I'm like, all right, cool. Let's do the hits. Let's do wings. So you guys saw my dry rubbed. Uh, so I, I wet marinate these wings. I dry rub them spicy and then smoke them for about 45 minutes and throw some honey on them, right? Uh, they're a fucking winner. Everybody always loves those wings. Then I also knew that uh, it's because it's all about timing with smoking, right? It's all about how long things are going to be on the smoker, when people are eating, when is the big meal, what are the snacks, and what are you eating after the big meal, right? Because you're always eating when you do barbecue. So it's like, okay, wings. Wings would be the, I don't want to say appetizer, but they'd be the first out. Then I, I'm going to do ribs, right? And I'm a, I'm a baby back rib guy. I know that there's a lot of food people listening to this show now. And I know that 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 could be a controversial statement because most people just like spare ribs. Most people are like, spare ribs are the shit. Fuck you. (laughs) All right. All right. Here's why. Here's what I don't like about spare ribs. Unless you trim them correctly, which you're trimming off most of the meat, you always have the tips that have the little bones in them or the cartilage that are in the tips. So when you go in to eat those things... You're fishing out bone. You're fishing that stuff out as you eat it. That's kind of a pain in the ass to me. Also, spare ribs tend to be just thinner, right? They just feel thinner. It depends on the type of rack that you get, but they dry out quicker and they have the ability to dry out quicker. So with me, cooking food is like making movies. I've said that a hundred times. I'm making it for the audience. I'm making it for the audience experience. I'm making it for the eating experience. Eating baby backs are fun. They're biteable. They're on a little bone, which is nice. And then you could just take a chomp out of a good section of meat on there. Pull it off. It's a great rib. It's a great eat. That's my that's my defense to my asshole statement that I made earlier. It's a great rib. I love baby backs. And they get done a little bit faster. They really do. You know, you do two hours unwrapped to get the smoke in them. You do an hour wrapped. Um, If you got butcher paper, which I haven't invested in that yet. I almost bought some butcher paper the other day, but it was a fucking roll of it. And I'm like, God damn, I have to justify buying this whole roll by increasing my cholesterol amount by barbecuing every weekend. So I didn't do that. So I was wrapping them in foil and foil speeds that up. But I can get uh, baby backs done about three and a half hours, right? And they're great in three and a half hours, almost to the point of too much done, three and a half hours. So I knew I was going to do a couple racks of ribs because that's what everybody comes for, especially out here in Los Angeles, because there's only a handful of barbecue places out here worth a damn. There's a lot of dog shit out here, a lot of dog shit barbecue. Um, and those of you listening in Texas right now, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you down in Austin right now, I'm getting text as we speak from Cruda, who's standing in line at like, it's not a Franklin's Franklin's is tomorrow, but he's at another spot that I want to go to today. Ugh. So you guys know. Um, and so that's why people are coming. People are coming for the barbecue. They know I'm going to smoke. They know I'm going to make ribs. So I got about, mm, what did I say? I got about 10, 11 folks. I got to do about four racks, right? four racks, but I'm going to split it up. I'm going to do a couple different things. I'm going to try a couple different dry rubs because that's my technique with ribs. You rub them the night before, you take off the fucking membrane, you take off the membrane. God damn it, you take off the membrane. Anytime I go to a rib spot that has baby back ribs and have a fucking membrane on the back, 
I just want to throw it on the ground. It's such, such an asshole statement. <laughs> such a Will Smith thing to do. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just, like it, it drives me crazy. If, if the membrane's on the back of it, then none of your seasoning gets through. None of your seasoning gets through, right? And it's hard to pull off. And membranes are chewy. Like if you're doing ribs quick on the grill, who gives a shit? Leave the membranes on. That's fine. But if you're smoking, you want that smoke to get in. You want that stuff to happen. Take off the membrane. You guys saw me post on Instagram. I was doing my process. And I think the thing that everybody asked me, everybody was fascinated with, was you put mustard on the ribs? Yeah. I guess it's because of the color contrast. I guess it is the most vibrant look, looking thing in that prep process. Look, we use the mustard as a binding agent, and I use cheap ass mustard, like a buck forty for a uh, bottle of it, um, because that's all it is. Sure, there's some vinegar in the cheap yellow mustard that may play, but it generally doesn't. So it's just a binding agent to hold more dry rub. That's it. To hold more salt, to hold more seasonings, to hold more of those crushed peppers. So that's what it's on there for. You rub it on there, you fucking throw your dry rub on, use a lot of dry rub, and then you let that stuff sit in the fridge overnight. And it sweats the meat, it comes out the next day, it's wet because the salt has been like pulling some of the moisture out of the meat. It's very uh, plump, it's very juicy. Uh, dry rubbing is, and dry brining is the way to go. Crew to talk me into that, so shout out to you, buddy. Um, so... Did two different types. I did uh, your standard brown sugar, um, paprika, a little cayenne, typical barbecue seasoning for two. And then I did my version of like a five hot pepper rub, which had a bunch of different like cayennes, had a bunch of like uh, chili peppers, all that stuff ground down into it. Very spicy. Um, and then I knew that I was going to do two different things. One, the traditional, I would do, uh, a little bit of a barbecue sauce mop because I knew that that would go together well and something sweet. And I've always been a huge fan of this blueberry barbecue sauce that I get from a specific company, which if you guys hear me talking about this, that company, you should sponsor me and then I'll tell the audience who that company is, but there's, you can find them out there barbecue, blueberry barbecue sauces, but there wasn't enough time for me to get it with shipping and everything else. So I decided to make my own blueberry barbecue sauce. Uh, and it was surprisingly easy to do. Surprisingly easy. I mean, it's just a little bit of ketchup. It's a little bit of fresh blueberries. It's a little bit of like vinegar and sugar and um, super easy to do. And so it took me about 30 minutes. I did it the night before. And it was, oh, perfect. I, I put some, uh, I put like a, a jalapeno in there. So it had a little bit of hit. And so when you tasted this, it was like this beautifully thick, sweet adventure ride where you put it on your tongue and it sort of coated your tongue and it took you through all these different flavors. It was so fucking good. I was so excited about that. Wrapped it up for the next day, put the ribs in the fridge. So the plan was chicken wings, ribs. Ribs are going to take three and a half, four hours, right? So I gotta have people come at a certain time, when do I put the ribs on? How much room do I have in the smoker, right? So now I know the wings are gonna take 45 minutes, but the wings, we did a lot of wings. The wings are gonna take up a big portion of that smoker. 
And at that point, I don't want to put the rings on until I've wrapped the ribs because then the ribs wrapped in foil can be stacked on each other. So it doesn't make a difference. It's not about surface value for the smoke at that point. You want to stack them underneath. So that gives me a bit more room. So what else can I do? Because I'm going to need something else. What else can I put on the smoker? Sausages. Now here's what's great about smoking sausage. Isn't it funny how deep I got into food? I went from like filmmaking into the food thing. Welcome to the show, everybody. Um, so uh, sausages, the great thing about them, you put them on the smoker for about two hours, right? And they get the smoke that they need. And then they're good. And then you can reheat them. So you can just throw them on a hot grill right when you want to eat them. And they'll sizzle up and they'll be great. So doing the math now, right? I know that I have to smoke my ribs uncovered to get the smoke for about two hours. And I'm going to have a whole top shelf additional. Why don't I smoke sausage at the same time? Because in that two-hour range, when those guys come off, the sausages come off. The ribs get wrapped, the sausages come off. Then I can put the wings on. You see the timing game here? That's what you're thinking about when you're smoking stuff, especially with real estate. And you're also planning about how the audience is going to, the audience, how the people that show up to the barbecue are going to eat and what you're going to present them with and how you're going to keep it exciting. So at that point, I'm like, okay, cool. So we've got for our proteins, wings, sausage, and ribs timed out, right? So what are you going to do for sides? Because you need sides. And sides are helpful when you are concerned about how many people are showing up. Sides help fill people up. But also, you should choose your sides adequately. They should be giving you the contrasting flavor against the fats in the smokes. Oftentimes, it's a lot of vinegar. Like I did a vinegar slaw, which was based on a recipe that Kruda gave me. Um, so we did that, which was the vinegar hit. So like if you're eating like a real fatty portion of the sausage or you're eating a real fatty portion of those ribs, you have a bite of that slaw that clears your palate. It's also tasty. But clears your palate so that you go in for a new bite on those ribs. It's a whole new taste. How's this relevant to filmmaking? It's the same way when you're pacing out a horror scene, right? So in a horror scene, you have build. It's all build. It's all fatty. It's all fatty build where you're like, okay, suspense, scare, walk him down the hall, hitting him with the strings, hitting him with that suspense, go and open a door, fatty rib, fatty sausage. Go and open that door. You open the door. You pull the door open. <gasps> everything builds, right? What do you go next? Do you fucking hit them again with fatty sausage right after that? Or do you give it a moment of reprieve? And if you're smart, you hit them with the vinegar, which is humor. You hit them with something completely different, something that completely disarms them, shuts down their entire system of anxiety so that when you hit them again with that fucking rib, you hit them again with that scary point, it tastes as relevant and as real as the first scare did. See what I mean? See the parallels in there? So anyway, we got the wings, we got the sausage, we got the fucking ribs. So now I'm going to do potato salad. It's been a while since I've done a potato salad, and I'm a massive fan of German-style potato salads. Probably because I'm addicted to vinegar, but I'm also addicted to mustards. Dijon mustards, that whole ordeal. So I'm going to do a Red Bliss potato salad with chives, and I'm going to try something a little bit different. Instead of using mayo, I used Greek yogurt. 
which is really great. The combination between the Greek yogurt and the Dijon mustard. Now you getting hungry because my fucking mouth is watering just remembering this shit. I'm, I'm staring at this picture on my Instagram account right now, which is the tray of food as I'm walking you through this, which I didn't have any slaw left. That's why it's not on that tray. Anyway, the potato salad, super easy to do. I do it the morning of. Once those ribs go on there, once the sausage goes on there, I boil. The hardest part about it is just boiling, getting that water up to boil. Boil those fucking potatoes. You cut up those onions. You cut up the. You put pickles in it because it's got that vinegar hit. Um, and then the mayo, super fast, super efficient, right? That in the slaw, do the day of, down, right? First thing in the morning. So then, uh, what else do I want to hit with it? Well, let's do some pickles, right? More pickles, more of that vinegar stuff. Uh, on this tray, which was the day after, I, I actually, for leftovers, which Ian got leftovers, um, I actually uh, grilled up a peach, which was great. Um, and then I knew I wanted to wrap everything up with the simplest recipe. Watermelon, dice up um, mint, drizzle really nice olive oil on the watermelon. I know it sounds weird. Drizzle olive oil on the watermelon and then hit it with salt. Fucking great. It is so good. This is my A game here, right? And I just had a friend of ours reach out and ask my advice for his kid's birthday party on how to put together a menu. This is my end game. This is what I would give you uh, as a, a menu to do. And it, I've been working on this shit. This is like a six-year fucking practice for this menu, right? It's like a six-year practice on this. Um, it came out fucking great. But <laughs> as we're doing it, as folks are showing up, right, you're planning your day, you're planning your party. And I, you know what? I'm walking you through this because it blows my mind how many young folks today don't know how to entertain people. Don't know how... I sound like an old guy in a fucking porch when I say that, but don't know how to put on a great party. They know how to, they have the enthusiasm. They have the enthusiasm to get folks together. But if you're putting a great party, a good get together, 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 um, you really have to think about how the people are going to, to respond to it. You really have to think about the adventure that you're going to put them on. Like, what are the snacks? What is the first thing that they're going to put in their mouth? What is the first thing that they're going to drink? And how are you presenting those things? What is the vibe? What is the music, obviously? But how is the chair placement? And how are people sitting in the group? And how is that happening? That's also fascinating. Who are you inviting? And what is the combination of people? And what are they adding to it? What are they not adding to it? Do the people know how to communicate with other folks? Or do they not? And is getting someone that is an oddball in the group is sometimes just as important so that it keeps it interesting. It keeps it fascinating, keeps it adventuresome, right? You're always planning these things. So with food, I was like, okay, cool. We're going to start with some snacks. Uh, my friend Nick was there and uh, we were talking. Uh, he showed up first. Eh, he was first, right? Yeah, he was first. And we're hanging out and I'm putting together some snacks. Uh, Mike Tran, my roommate, actually made a great guacamole. He did a good job of that, Mike. So we put that together. So we had some guac. We had some chips. Super simple thing to do. A lot of fat, a little salt. Lots of salt to get people drinking beer, to get people drinking, which is good. 
uh, old trick from bars. Then uh, while we're hanging out, I had leftover stuff from the sides and I was hanging out with Nick and, and I was like, dude, I got a whole bunch of this fucking Greek yogurt left. Let's make a dip. He's like, what? You can make a dip? I said, yeah, let's make a dip. I just went into the cabinets and I had an old packet of taco seasoning. I had some limes and uh, just whipped it together. And it was great. It was like this, like almost like an onion soup dip, but with taco seasoning dip, it goes really good with the chips. So let me get that. He was just like, holy fuck, you could just whip together a dip like that. I'm like, oh my God, do you not watch fucking television? Everything's about cooking now. How do you not know this? So yeah, it was fun. And, and here's another thing. Always save something to do while guests are there and have them help you do it. It connects them to the food. It connects them to the experience. It gives you guys an opportunity to do something together to actually talk about life, talk about food, talk about stuff. That's what's great about barbecues. That's what great, if you if you do homemade pizzas, I've done homemade pizza nights. That's another fucking great thing because everybody knows how to slop toppings on a fucking pizza. There's no anxiety behind that. People know how to mix things in bowls. You just delegate, you give them stuff to do. It helps, it makes the, it makes the experience interesting. It brings the audience into the story, you know? So um, everything's going great, right? Wings are coming off. Drizzle them with honey, fucking the shit. And that's the first hitter that I hit people with, and they're excited. They love it. Love the wings, love the stuff. Ribs are getting unwrapped. They look fucking phenomenal. People see you unwrapping. People see that process. They start to salivate. How long is it going to take for the for the ribs? Ah, it'll take another 45 minutes. But in that period of time, we'll have some wings and sausages will be done. I'll start heating up some of those sausages. We'll, we'll do the sausage bit. Um, and so... I take the ribs out and I'm ready to mop them. And I'm using this technique where I wear protective gloves, but I also wear insulated gloves underneath the latex gloves so that I can physically grab onto meats on the grill without burning my hands, which is very effective. Uh, shout out to like Tom from All Things Barbecue, all those cats that do that stuff. It kind of blew my mind when I saw it. I went, oh, fuck, that's how I can just hold on to meats. I don't have to use tongs for everything. Ah, smart. Anyway, so I'm manhandling these ribs and I'm like ready to go and get the barbecue sauce. So I run into the uh, other area, which is on cement, and I grab the glass bowl that has the barbecue sauce and I turn and because my fingers are in gloves and I can't tell that they're greasy, I don't realize how greasy my hands are. And the barbecue just slips, the glass bowl slips out of my hands and shatters all over the fucking ground. And I scream like a child has been murdered. <laughs> and so then everybody that's coming to the show, I had posted about this barbecue sauce that I was making the night before. And they were all fucking amped about having this barbecue sauce. We all mourn it like a death. We stand around at this, this pile of barbecue sauce, blueberry barbecue sauce, probably the best barbecue sauce that I've ever made. We stand around and we mourn it. And uh, <laughs> people try to come up with options like maybe it can be salvaged. I'm like, yeah, look at all those glass pieces in there. You guys want to be chewing through glass for this? And they're like, maybe we can, uh, you know, scrape around that stuff. And, and big shout out to Nick who like 
poked his finger in like a section that didn't have glass to the wrist. And he tried it and he goes, oh my God, it's amazing. And everybody all moans. <laughs> oh. it, this is again a parallel to filmmaking. There are those things that fall apart, those ideas, those plans that fall apart. Talk about a fucking parallel to what's going on with my life at that point, you know? And uh, you have that moment where you all stand around and you mourn and they sort of all look at you. They give you this look out of the side of their eye, you know? How is he going to take this? What's he going to do? Is he going to flip out? Is this the end of the barbecue? Has this ruined everything? I had my moment. I mourned it. And then I looked at them and I said, don't worry, I got another plan. You have another plan already? I've got another plan already. Little did they know that in my adventure seeking, when I go out and I do those mindless walk through really cool little shops and French bistros and all these different places where Gina rolls her eyes and she's like, what are you taking forever in here? Well, turns out in the cabinet, I had a sauce that uh, was raspberry based. And I'm like, that would go good on these ribs. So I grabbed it, put it on, mopped it. They were fucking great. Fantastic. Now, was it the epic blueberry idea that I initially had? No. Was it close to that? It was different than that. Does that make it better? Yes, because I didn't end the show. I didn't end the barbecue. I didn't end the moment. I didn't get lost in the sorrow of it. As I say this to myself. Um, I pivoted, I pivoted, and I made some really great fucking ribs, really great ribs. Between that and the, the honey ones, holy shit, the sausages came out. It was a great fucking barbecue. Really good group of folks. Jordan was there, Rick was there, Hillary was there, all these folks were there. And it was really great. We all enjoyed food. We dragged the smoker over afterwards. I lit a fire in the smoker. We sat around the fire. And we talked about work. We talked about life. We talked about food. We talked about love. We talked about regret. It was a good time. It was a really good time. It was a good first of the year barbecue. It was one of those moments that I strive for. I felt good about it. I really did. Anyway, let's take a minute and play some more music, and uh, we're going to wrap this show up. Where are we running at? Ooh, we're about an hour and change. All right. Well, let's get back into uh, that Wolf in the City track, and uh, let me hit you up with our final sponsor of today's show. So the show is also sponsored by friends over at Vitafair. If you are creating content, if you're creating short films, if you're creating podcasts, if you're creating stuff, why are we all afraid to charge for it, right? I'm calling you out right now. When's the last time you charged for your work? When's the last time that you had enough confidence to believe that someone would actually pay to watch your film, pay to watch your shit? I don't know why it's ingrained into us that we have to give everything away for free, upload it to YouTube for free so that those motherfuckers can make all of the revenue on your work, right? Okay, so maybe I just talked you into it. You ready? You ready to charge for your stuff? Then where do you put it? Where do you upload it? Where does it go? 
I found Vitafair. Vitafair is a great place for it because um, they only charge you once. They're not charging you per click. They're not raising your price based upon the amount of people that are watching your stuff. None of that matters. It's very simple to use. Um, and it's a great way to make your money. So head on over to vitafair.com. They are all about helping you monetize, all about artists making money for their work. And they're there to support you with it. So much so that they actually do a film festival. And I've talked about the film festival before, but let me read a bit about it here. The Vitafair Film Festival, VFF, is dedicated to both excellent storytelling and film monetization. The principle of the festival is simple. Monetizing creative work is in greed, it's fair. And if uh, artistic painters are free to set prices for their work, why shouldn't filmmakers be? Modern streaming technology allows for you to do just that. Monetiz monetization methods of the new age deserve to be promoted and celebrated. At the Vitafair Film Festival, all accepted content will generate actual revenue for the filmmakers. <laughs> wow, pump the fucking brakes. Traditional film festivals, you pay to submit. That money goes ahead. That, you don't get that back if you don't get in, right? So you're throwing that away. So they make money off of submission fees. Then they also make the money off the door on a traditional film festival. You don't see a dime. At the Vitafair Film Festival, they generate actual revenue for the filmmakers. Um, the Vitafair currency, they have this currency called grain. So once you reach a threshold of about 20 bucks, then you can get paid for it. Um, and as part of the submission process, filmmakers will be asked to set a creator's share for their project based upon a 24-hour rental of their film. So the filmmakers can decide if it's like 99 cents for a rental, they can decide if it's $20 for a rental. Um, it's really great stuff. Uh, so check out Vitafair right now. Go to vitafair.com on their website. They have the submission for their film festival. I know they're looking for content. So if you have any projects that you want to get eyes on, uh, they, they're going to be promoting it like crazy. Uh, they're in their extended deadline right now, which is April 22nd. Um, so yeah. Do it. Go to vitafair.com. Check them out. Um, all right. Let's see. What else did I want to wrap up with? I'm looking here on my list to talk to you about Jambox. Oh, yeah. Friends over Puget Systems. Of course. I talked a bit about them at the beginning. But uh, they have been the sponsors of the show that have been with us since the beginning. They continue to sponsor us. They continue to support us. I just got them to agree to help me on this new thing I'm doing for the show. Um, and uh, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's uh, it's an exclusive thing that I'm doing. And it's an exclusive thing that I'm doing specifically for guests of the show, but I'm also doing it for, I think I'm going to be doing it for our super listeners. I talked about this briefly at the end of uh, the small episode I did on Thursday, last Thursday. But there are a handful of you that are commenting on everything we do, that are always there and promoting and sharing. If you want to be a super listener, you just let me know. Write to me on Instagram and say, hey, we want to be a super listener. And you might get your hands on this new thing that I'm working on that uh, Puget Systems is sponsoring for us. So if you're in the business for a computer, if you're a video editor, if you're a filmmaker, if you're a photographer, if you're a gamer, 
if you're uh, in the the virtual uh, creation, if you're if you're doing uh, 3D effects, you need a good computer. You just do. And yes, the bigger companies like to say that there is one company that fits all and a handful of computers that'll do everything you need. It's bullshit. That's not the case. Every machine can be custom tailored to the software you use and to what it is that you need it to do. And for those of you listening that run production companies, those of you listening that run post-production companies, maybe you're starting up your own color grading spot, and there's a lot of folks that are at some big color grading spots that listen to the show, Company 3 and all those cats that are listening. Uh, if you're hitting a point where you guys need to upgrade your hardware, right? Because there's a lot of new shit coming out in the market right now. And the unfortunate thing with, let's just be real, Apple and Mac products, they like to software update their hardware useless. They just do. That's what they do. That's their business strategy. Think about it differently this time around. Look into doing PCs. PCs run faster. They're more efficient. Uh, they're upgradable. You can build them specifically for your needs. And I know that uh, one of the big hurdles with folks is, I don't want to build my own PC. I don't want to put together my own shit. Reach out to Puget Systems. Go to PugetSystems.com and talk with their consultants. These guys have been putting together amazing machines for years. I have been editing and working on all my stuff on Puget Systems ever since my production, post-production company days, all the way through now. I love their shit. I've been doing all the recent cuts on it. Uh, those new projects that I'm cutting, um, like uh, Boohoo Man and uh, this new one that I'm not allowed to talk about yet, I'm literally mixing 6K with 480, with like dad cam footage, with like multiple levels of grain blend and all sorts of other stuff on it. It's like I'm, I'm running the system hot and I'm doing fast color grades in Lumetri, in uh, uh, Premiere, and it's running sweet. I also just opened up Resolve recently and was running through, you're welcome, Black Magic, running through <laughs> Resolve stuff and color grading in there. Um, it's really awesome shit, dude. I'm telling you, look into Puget Systems, look into a PC, reach out to those guys now. They will um, help walk you through what it is that you need. And if they can't do it, they'll tell you, but I'm telling you, they'll pull it together. They will. So if you run a post-production company and you're thinking about it, a lot of you listening in Boston, a lot of you guys that run companies in Boston that are still on systems that you bought back in 2013, right? And you're slugging your way through and you want to make some profit off your systems faster. Be smart about how you build them. Don't be in debt to these larger companies. Don't be in debt to the unboxing experience. And, okay, look, let me just say it on the, on the front here. Some folks that are running post-production facilities are like, oh, man, well, we can't, a lot of our clients are integrating on Mac, and how do we integrate with Mac and PCs? I'm running software on my system that allows me to not only read Mac drives, but also write to the Mac format on a PC. So it doesn't matter. So I'm integrating seamlessly with folks that run Macs with my PCs, okay? So head on over to PugetSystems.com. Make it work for your company. Make some money on the fucking gear you own. You know what I mean? Um, all right, all right, all right. And for those of you that are just tuning in um, and you guys uh, just found the show, because there's a lot of you coming in from somewhere, Sweden, where are you coming from, guys? Um, 
and you're like, oh my God, he's almost at 200 episodes. Where do I go? Do I start at episode one? Well, if you're a true comic book fan, you might want to do that. You might want to go back to the first issue and make your way through, but you don't need to. If you have uh, don't have the time for that, if you want to manage your time better, just go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There I've curated the episodes based upon subject material. Uh, so you can choose your episodes if you just want to listen to directors, if you just want to listen to me chat, if you want to listen to chefs, if you want to listen to the wide array of topics that we talk about, you can pinpoint them by choosing them at inlovewiththeprocess.com. I'm also going to be reopening the merch section there soon. I'm trying to get through everything right now, but the merch section will become a thing soon there. So, yeah, check it out. And follow me on Instagram. Follow the podcast on Instagram at a love of the process pod. That's a love of the process pod on Instagram. Or follow my personal account at Mike Petchy on Instagram. I try to post a bit about what it is that I talk about on the show. I really promote my guests on these accounts, so I'm always pushing their work, pushing their stuff, the stuff I love. Um, most recently, what did I do? Oh, I did this really fun post, repost from uh, Stan Winston's school um, that was a fucking black. I really, really liked it. It was uh, the behind-the-scenes look at the compy dinosaur attack effects from The Lost World uh, with... Uh, uh, Peter Stormare. So you know that bit where the little compy monsters jumped on him and they were eating him and he fell over the thing? It was all done practically. And I still can't figure it out. It's like, because he's able to rip these things off his body. I feel like they're stuck on there with magnets and they're triggered with magnets. I don't know, man. I don't know how they did that. I should try to get them on the show and figure out how they did that. But super cool stuff. And it was so much fun that I actually went back and watched The Lost World again. Very underrated movie. The first two acts of that movie are on point. It's all of Steven Spielberg's suspense building. The whole bit inside that fucking like weird safari van thing that half falls off the cliff and Julianne Moore falls onto the glass. And the glass starts cracking, right? Uh, I forget the actor's name who's desperately trying to uh, keep the truck from falling off with the winch. And he's in like the little Mercedes, like four wheel drive beetle kind of vehicle that's like swerving all over the place. And the two T-Rexes bite him in half. It's great stuff. A lot of really good stuff in that movie. It's only in the third act that it really kind of falls apart. It felt like the third act was really sort of crammed in. It really did. And you know, I pinpointed it for me. It was the fact that when the ship crashes in and they go up onto the ship and there were like hands all over the place, like people had been eaten, but the T-Rex was still in the containment unit. I was like, well, who ate all the people on the ship? Is there a raptor kicking around? And that would have just been the simplest way to fix it if there was a raptor that was kicking, kicking around, which I feel like maybe that was in the original draft, but they cut it out. It's weird. That was the only part that really fucked up the ending for me because it was fun, you know? It was definitely fun. Good movie, though. Go back and watch it. Great fucking cast. Uh, what's his name who played the lead hunter? He died recently. Such a good fucking actor. Hold on, I'm gonna look this up. Because I gotta give him props. I know there's a lot of you out there who are like, that's so-and-so, Michael. Get with it. Um, well, he been listening long enough. I have a problem remembering people's names, okay? So, uh, 
So deal with it. Uh, what was his name? Hold on. Cast. Cast, 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 cast. Oh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his last name. Pete Postlewaith. He played Roland in it. Fucking amazing actor. Is he still alive? No, he died in 2011. Such a great actor. He's in so many good movies. He was in In the Name of the Father. He was in The Town. He was in The Usual Suspects. He was, that's right. He was uh, Roland Tomasi in that, right? Yeah. You guys know who I'm talking about? He's the shit. He really is. Really great actor. So, anyway, let me wrap this episode up. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Um, thanks for letting me be honest with you guys. And, um, you know, big shout out to all of the new listeners on the show. Big shout out to all my friends that came and were at the barbecue. Uh, big shout out to Rick Darge, man. Um, my buddy Rick, uh, he's been on the show before, director, actor, comedian. Um, he uh, has been getting a lot of success with uh, his LaCroix piece that he did. Hold on, let me pull it up here. Hold on, Rick Darge. I, I love that you guys are like, Mike, the show's almost over. Can you just let us go? No! Let me see if there's an actual title. So if you go to Rick Darge's Instagram, that's at Rick Darge, um, and uh, he did this amazing... Uh, piece on LaCroix and what happens when you drink too much LaCroix and it was him and uh, John Wesselcouch which I haven't met John in real life yet well actually I met him at Trader Joe's but I haven't actually talked to John I should talk to John um, but uh, they did this really great piece that uh, they posted a couple years ago but then they just recolor graded it and then they put it out again and it got a, a Vimeo staff pick and this is interesting you get a Vimeo staff pick, and then it just shows up in a bunch of people's feeds. You know, it shows up on a bunch of lists somewhere. Um, and uh, it's been so successful that uh, Taika, Taika Watiti loved it. He reposted it on um, Twitter, which is great. And Taika's been killing it lately. You know, I just saw Free Guy. He was great in that. And I just saw, we've been watching uh, uh, Our Flag Means Death, right? Isn't that what it is? It's great. And he's really fucking funny on that, too. That's on HBO Max. Um, so anyway, big shout out to Rick, man. I know he's busy. He just went down and shot a big commercial in Mexico. Um, so I'll try to get him on the show again. Um, but uh, big, out, big shout out to him. And uh, big shout out to all of you for listening to the show, for supporting the show, for loving the show. Do me a favor. Tell a couple friends about it. Tell some fellow classmates about it. Do you know someone that goes to film school? And I know this episode's been a mix of both food and film, but we're also getting heavy into music. So a lot of different musicians that love the show. Anybody. I'm trying to get to the point where this is just a place for you to come hang and feel safe. And if you want to suggest a guest to the show, write to me on Instagram. If you have any questions, you have any comments, let me know what you feel. Let me know if you thought it was too depressing at the beginning. I don't know. Send me, send me notes. All right. That's it. Let me wrap this thing up. We're going to end. Uh, big shout out to Lay Avenue or La Avenue. Uh, let's end the show with a track called 2048. 
which uh, you guys uh, can pretty much guess where that's from. Okay. So that's it. As always, I will see you next Tuesday. Mm-hmm.